Auburn's Weagle 91.1 FM presents The Scoreboard with your co-hosts Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcome at 334-844-9345. Follow them on Twitter at Jacob Hellman AU and at Bay underscore Marks. Now let's take a look at The Scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome to WEGL's 51st birthday. It's Weagle Day here on the Plains on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm Bay Marks, as always, sitting alongside Jacob Hillman. Jacob, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a good week, and leading into Weagle Day, you can't ask for anything better. Kicking Weagle Day off with a national award-winning and recognized radio station, The Scoreboard, here on WGL 91.1 FM. If you want to call in and be a part of that national award-winning show, 334-844-9345, 334-844-9345 is the number to call. Quick shout-out to my dad. I think he is listening per usual. I uh, want to give him a quick shout-out. Just got the Auburn baseball notes, which yes, is what we're going to be did. kicking off with today. Um, actually, it's our second-to-last show here on The Scoreboard. That's pain. Yeah. That's pain. Uh, also, it also means we're old. I'm still 21. I mean, I'm 22. You're you're a youngin. Yeah. You're a youngin. I should technically be a junior. Could be. It could be. Anyways, next week we'll probably probably try to do an hour and a half. Maybe kick off at 3:30. Ah, we'll figure it out. We'll see what the vibes like. It's gonna be really uh, emotional next week. So it is. We're, we're gonna keep it. We're gonna keep the usual today. Next week might be a little bit different. Might have to bring a box of tissues for that one. Yeah. But as for today, we have a lot to talk about. Auburn baseball uh, continuing to roll throughout SEC play. The NBA playoffs are going on. MLB season has kicked off. We have a lot of that and more um, here on today's show. But the Auburn University men's baseball team will be facing off against the South Carolina Gamecocks at home this weekend in a three-game series um, after winning their two midweek games this week against Alabama State and Kennesaw State. Um, Tuesday night against Alabama State being a walk-off winner. They won in the bottom of the 10th inning. Thank you to Nate LaRue. And then last night, taking care of business against Kennesaw State, uh, drumming the out-of-town team from Georgia, beating them 14-1 to at Plainsman Park. So um, this is also an Auburn team who last week on the show we were talking about going into that series against Mississippi State. The Road Warriors had won four straight Road SEC series, uh, and they finally dropped one, nearly getting swept, um, but Bryson Ware made sure that didn't happen at the end of Game 3. Yeah, and it really was a massive, massive game to win. I think when you lose those first two games, it changes It changes everything. If you go get swept, we're comp- talking about this team completely different. And I also think it changes things a little bit if you had won the first game and lost the last two. I really think that it makes a big difference to win the last one instead of the first one. Uh, especially the way you did. Thanks to Bryson Ware, he got subbed into the game late and made a big throw when it mattered. And coming off that big win, you feel very confident in this team moving forward that no matter the circumstance, they're going to be gritty and they're going to fight hard. So they were due to lose a road series. And, hey, it happens at the defending national champions, uh, one of the best atmospheres in college baseball, if not the best. So you, you, can't, you, get, you can't hang your head low you got to keep chugging, and they did that in the midweeks. I think the biggest thing for me, and I hate to, I hate to pick on Hayden like this because we are familiar with Hayden. Uh, <laughs> he's a friend of ours, but that might have been the first outing we've seen from Hayden where he wasn't very settled in. Um, we've seen in a few of his road appearances, it, t- it took him a couple batters to get settled in, but then once he settled in, he really commanded the game from the mound. Um, it was a different story in Starkville. He couldn't really seem to get his stuff going through his four innings of pitching. Yeah, and, and the one thing I'll say about that is that he did enough where Auburn took the lead later in the game. So he held them to three runs and did a good job. But the issue is his pitch counts keep getting too high. He can't really get deep into the game. 
if he can get deep into a game, five, six, maybe seven innings at some point, things completely change with this pitching staff in the bullpen. Yeah. So that's my biggest my biggest thing for Hayden is trying to work those counts better, be a little bit more efficient, kind of like what Joseph Gonzalez has done the last several weeks because yeah. he's been unstoppable. And I, I really think that this weekend is a good weekend to do that. And I think the efficient part, part of it that you mentioned, Jacob, is also – you just mentioned his pitch count getting really high. If he can get some quicker at-bats from the opposing team's batters, um, keeping that pitch count low, therefore letting him go several more innings throughout a game, that's where we we see Hayden more efficient. And we really saw that against Vanderbilt in his first home SEC start. Um, but I agree. I think Joseph Gonzalez once again was phenomenal at Mississippi State. Um, he continues to show that he is he's probably the the – What's the word I'm looking for? Most consistent part of this pitching staff ever since the return from his blister injury. <laughs> it might have been the best thing that happened to him. <laughs> Agreed. Um, now, again, Trace Bright, still throwing solid. Probably could get a little more production out of him That's that uh, two-day starter when he pitched last Friday. Um, overall, I don't suspect the rotation to change this weekend. I should check the Auburn notes here in a second. It, it, it is not changing still this the weekend. Same. Okay. It is the same. Joseph Gonzalez on Sunday against... Uh, what we South Carolina's best pitcher and Will Sanders, a five and one record with a three point five one ERA, but each pitching matchup Auburn has the edge in. Yeah, for sure. Auburn throwing Hayden Mullins again, two and one, three point five eight ERA, followed by another junior right-handed pitcher Trace Bright, who I just mentioned, two and four with a little over four point one seven ERA, um, and then like Jacob mentioned, a five and zero Joseph Gonzalez barely throwing above two earned runs a game. Um, uh, once again, another thing for me is also just going to be the bats for Auburn. Um, we saw them against Alabama State in the midweek. Um, they they got hot towards the early portion of the game, and then they just disappeared. And I think the funniest thing about the game, and I told this to my little brother, uh, and you'll find this funny, Jacob, knowing Riley, um, was I wasn't able to attend the game, but I was listening on the Auburn Sports Network to Andy Bertram and Brad Law, um, and Andy's it was this is nearly a direct quote from what Andy said when Nate LaRue stepped up to the plate. Um it was something to the fact of, like, uh, up to bat for the Tigers. Nate LaRue is batting 172 on the year. And then he paused for a moment, and he goes, he's 11 of 64 this season. And I'm just sitting there in my mind like, well, yeah, now he's definitely not going to hit a walk-off or get on base. And, of course, Nate does just that. A bloop. Hey, that's the thing. That's all that matters. you got to put it in the right place. You do that, everything goes smoothly. And I really think that part of it was just on Tuesday just – it was good to have a close game like that against an opponent you shouldn't have been close with. Yeah. Um, you had Burkhalter come in. You had Skipper come in and really do a good job. Uh, Burkhalter did a great job at holding Alabama State, and I really think that's a good thing. Now, Burkhalter bounced back from his from his blown save against Mississippi State on Thursday with a game three, uh, with a game three save. But it was good to see him do it twice in a row and within two day uh, within three days of each other. So. I really like what I saw on Tuesday, even if the score was closer than it needed to be. For sure. And then speaking about uh, some of Auburn's pitchers, last night against Kennesaw State, um, Auburn had Connor Copeland get his first appearance of the season. Um, pitches four innings with eight strikeouts and only a walk. Um, had a no-hitter bid through, I believe it was four innings. Um, gave up two hits in the fourth, um, and he came out with the 68-pitch count. But, I mean, an absolute great showing from Connor Copeland, the lefty. Um, got a lot of guys in on the mound, including Tommy Sheehan, Cam Hill, Brooks Fuller. Um, so Auburn throwing a lot of arms last night. And then, again, the bats, just phenomenal. Um, Brooks Carlson, Brody Moore, several guys hitting home runs like them too. A lot of base hits for Auburn and eventually win the game 14-1. to And I think the team probably woke up a little bit uh, after the 5-4 to extra innings win against Alabama State. 
respect to the opponent a little bit more. Kennesaw State's a pretty good ball club. I think top 25 RPI. So they came in and uh, Auburn didn't let them uh, put together anything scrappy or anything like that. Here's what I need to see going into the weekend is some of these pitchers probably get another chance on the weekend. Uh, I mean, what I'd love to see are guys like uh, uh, Chase also out there playing. Uh, some of the guys last night, may, may, maybe not yet. Uh, Tommy Sheehan, I think I'd like to For see. For sure. But I just really think that we're looking at a spot where, we. I think we mentioned it last week, where you feel good in game one and three because of game one, you're going to go from Mullins to Skipper to, to Burkhalter. Yes. Game three, Joseph Gonzalez might throw nine innings. And if he doesn't, then comes in you know, Burkhalter, Burkhalter or, or somebody. Yeah. It's that game two. The game two... Uh, if Bright doesn't have his best stuff, what's coming in behind him? And we saw where that goes wrong against Vanderbilt in the Vanderbilt series. It went wrong in Game 2 against Mississippi State. You lose 9-5. to five. I want to see these bullpen guys, other than Skipper and Burkhalter, perform on the weekend. Being like a Jordan Armstrong, who was the Friday pitcher for Auburn at the beginning of the season, um, when they were over in Texas and even when they came back home for a few series, um, guys like Carson Swilling was a freshman last year, got a lot of right. uh, pitches on the mound. Um, those are the kind of guys I think is who you're alluding to, Jacob, right. that really that game two spot is who needs to come in and kind of shut the door on opponents or stop the bleeding a little bit, um, which we haven't really seen. And I think an even more important thing is for Bright to, to, to have a good outing. I won't say his outings have been bad recently. They just they get, they get out of control and he's not able to go deep into the game. He has the potential to do what Joseph Gonzalez has been doing lately. Go seven innings at, at, at best. Uh, and goodness gracious, if he has a blister, I think he could have a complete game in his return as well. But it's just something that we know there's potential there. He just has to flash it uh, on these in these game twos and just get to the sixth, seventh inning if he's really on. If he does that, this Auburn team will have a chance to – win or sweep every single weekend. Well, the good news is about the pitching staff is lately they have been turning it around a little bit. Uh, in the last three games, Auburn's pitching staff has turned in a 1.61 ERA, and they've also had 37 strikeouts um, in the last three games. So a little over 12 strikeouts a game. That'll get the job done. That does it. Yeah. That um, does it. But anyways, another thing for me going into this weekend, um, I think the biggest emphasis and that you'll agree probably with this, Jacob, A, obviously the pitching being back at home, um, for an SEC series, Auburn had, is having five straight games at home in six days at Plainsman Park. Um, having the pitching back at home comfortable, like Jacob said, getting those guys to really solidify um, a Saturday appearance out of the bullpen. And then B, continuing to let the bats do what the bats do. You still have Sonny DeShare, who has been red hot the entire year. Um, Carlson, he is fifth in the NCAA in hits right now. Um, you have Brody Moss, a guy that was 0-5 the other night against Alabama State and still at the end of the game put together a hit and last night had a home run. Um, and then still guys like Rambush, Bello, different guys, Foster, that are able to put the bat on the ball, um, getting extra base hits, and so have you. So um, for me, that's the second point of emphasis that I, I really want to see Auburn do is be pretty relentless with the bats against a South Carolina team who's only two games over 500, but is 6-9 and nine in SEC play and still is capable of winning the series at Auburn. Well, I also look at this series for South Carolina as not a do-or-die, but pretty close to it. Yeah. Because you come in and win this series, they're looking at it middle of the pack of the SEC, whereas they come in and lose the series, then they have to start to fight to make sure they make the SEC tournament. They're not, they're not quite that low where it's, they go in danger, 
But it's at the point where you do have to think about it as last places in the SEC is Missouri, Kentucky, Ole Miss at 5-10. and 10. Ole Miss, who was number one earlier this year, Man, beat Auburn. I mean, that team, I don't even know what to say about. And yeah. like you said, beat Auburn. But then you have Mississippi State, Missouri, or excuse me, South Carolina, and Florida all sitting at 6-9. and nine. This conference is so close. There's only two teams that have separated themselves, and that's Arkansas and Tennessee. Tennessee, far and beyond the best team in the SEC. Arkansas, far and beyond the second team, the second best team in the SEC. And then it's everyone else. Right now, Auburn is fourth in the SEC just behind Georgia. South Carolina, like I said, they're fighting to make sure they are solidly in the SEC tournament this coming up weekend. LSU's so, a team that's turned it around. I mean, yeah, they are. They're they're seven and eight. So look, looking back at the position. Side side note, looking back at that series, the way that LSU's been playing lately, that was a huge series for Auburn. Massive. I mean, Massive very big series. series. I think that's kind of it's kind of funny because I feel like that's a great timing series that Auburn got, whereas like the Ole Miss series was just the worst Awful timing. timing. Yeah, you got Ole Miss when it, they were still kind of trending up, not trending up, but they were fine, and now they're just not playing well. If if Auburn played. LSU right now in a series or soon, I don't believe they'd win. If Auburn would play Ole Miss soon in a series, I believe they would win. Right, and um, it also depends on home or away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the point being, those two teams have gone in opposite tra- trajectories. But um, right. So having said all this, Jacob, your prediction this weekend for South Carolina visiting Auburn? Yeah, I like Auburn win this series two to one. I Saturday. I want a sweep. Saturday is a question sweep. mark for me. I also think South Carolina is not as good on the road as they are at home, and I think Auburn can possibly. Steal a game that South Carolina should win and maybe get a sweep. I think Auburn wins the series 2-1. to one. Saturday for me, it's the biggest question mark. Um, biggest thing for me is going to be the pitching. And then again, keeping those bats hot as SEC play rolls on. On the other side of the break is more of the scoreboard with Jacob Hillman and myself, Bay Marks, on Weagle Day, 51st anniversary of the WEGL radio station here on Auburn University's campus. Do not go anywhere. This is the scoreboard. Thank you for tuning in to the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back to the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. We're streaming at WeagleFM.com. Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks says, it's Weagle Day. Almost Weagle's 21st, or 51st birthday, not 21st. Weagle's been able to drink for a while now, so... We're, we are well past that point. but We're in our golden years. We, we are midlife crisis time for WGL 91.1 FM, but 24 hours, really 26 straight hours of content, but 24 hours starting from 5 p.m. right after us with the Woodstock Hour with J.P. Williams. Uh, he's a senior with us, so he's got two more shows like us, and all the way until 5 o'clock tomorrow. I'm not sure who's wrapping it up, but... It's going to be an exciting time. I, I don't know of any other student radio station that does that. I doubt there's many. Because there's not one that's greater than Weagle. Of course not. I Li- mean, live content at 2, 3, 4 a.m. And a, you can listen to replays. You can. I think they're doing, one show tonight is doing Just Dance at like 4 a.m. Yes, yes that, that is Rio <laughs> at 4 a.m. That's, that's going to be something. Look, and, if I didn't have an internship I'd attend to tomorrow, I'd be here at 4 a.m. doing Just Dance. Exactly. I was thinking about staying up all night, but... Like you, I also have I have, have responsibilities. Work yeah. Some responsibilities as a senior. But listen, if you're a student, you're on a Friday class, you don't have work, just swing by the Weagle studio. Just just hang out, dance to just dance music, and I think Rio might have a prize. So who knows? Oh, but hmm. but we'll see. It, it it's gonna be a lot of fun uh as we celebrate Weagle's fifty first birthday. You know, Bay and I obviously graduating in the next two weeks and two days. Ugh, disgusting. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Last, last show next week. But Let's move on from one spring Auburn sport to another 
with the bat and ball. Auburn softball had a big week like Auburn baseball did. Five games with the midweek home finales uh, yesterday and Tuesday. Big wins for this softball program. Bouncing back from a weekend that was not against the SEC series because of there only being 13 teams. So you got to they got to schedule it where one one's not playing an SEC team. But I thought it came at the perfect time for this softball program. Yeah, I agree. Um, Auburn, we, we're talking about bat and ball sports. One's tra- trajectory is pre- staying pretty stagnant, if not on an uphill. Uh, one was pretty uphill early in the season, and now it's back downhill. Yeah. Um, so I think this was a very good or well-timed series. Um, obviously, they didn't know beforehand that they need this, but... Um, the sweep at Arkansas was was not pretty, um, especially getting run ruled in game three, 17 to four. Um, traveling to Mercer, winning that game on a run rule, and then coming back home and and sweeping uh, Niagara. Obviously, one game was canceled, but um, I think that was huge. And then to follow it up against Jacksonville State, a team that you beat earlier in the year in Chattanooga, that was kind of a good reset um, as the SEC grind continues, like you were talking about. Yeah, for sure. And the thing is, the offense really got going in these games, you know. Just run rule after run rule until yesterday's game against Chattanooga where you got the 7-0 lead, and then you get to that last inning and a little bit of intensity intensity with Chattanooga putting three runs on the board in the top of the seventh inning, and Auburn uh, started Matty Penta. K.K. Dismuse came in, pitched three solid innings, but just couldn't get through the seventh inning, so Penta came back in and finished it off, and I really think that it was kind of a good, hey, Remember, SEC play is coming back up. You're, you're going to have to win this next series. So I like what Auburn did. Also, a lot of players are going to get back in action. Michaela Packard, Nelia Peralta, Shelby Lowe, hopefully. That's a big key to this team uh, returning to, to form like it was earlier in the season prior to that Florida series. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the big thing is, is getting back to full strength for Auburn. Um, I know that, obviously, Auburn was talking about um, – the or, it was on the Auburn Sports Network. They were talking to head coach Mickey Dean about the defense. Um, I think that's something that, personally, myself, I haven't seen cleaned up as much as maybe a normal softball fan would like to see. Um, sorry, that was my chair. But, um, like you said, I think the biggest thing is getting back to full strength. And one thing that's honestly caught the eyes of a lot of Auburn fans has been um, the consistently dominant play of Bree Ellis yeah. um, as a freshman. Reigning SEC Freshman of the Week. I mean, that... I wouldn't be surprised hearing that another time before this season ends. She has been on a tear. She's just a few home runs shy of tying and breaking Casey Cooper's freshman uh, home run record at Auburn. That was a very good Auburn player. Not bad company to be yeah. in if you're if you're Bree Ellis. But um, back to what you were mentioning about the defense. Lately, the last few games has been good. one error in the last four games. Like I said, against against lesser competition. But point being is that. Coach Dean was talking, like you said, with uh, with Britt Bowen about uh, pregame yesterday about how he's been focusing on that. And he mentioned that 60% of the errors have been throwing errors. So the big thing they've been focusing on is how to how to really set your feet and just make the play. And one play I, met, I saw yesterday was Rose Roach. It was in the top of the second inning. She fielded one on an awkward hop but did a great job I mean, you could see her go through it, setting her feet, making the throw, and got the third out of the inning. I thought that was a big kind of stepping stone. It was something that a few weeks ago, I don't know if that play's made. I think that uh, whoever it is at shortstop, uh, whether it's Peralta or Roach, 
might sell that over Ellis's head, might throw it in the dirt or whatever, but it was a great throw, and it's something that I think you look at and you say, this is how you do it. Oh, yeah. This is how you do it. Keep doing it like this. And it's, it's big to acknowledge it's big right. to acknowledge that mistake and then correct it in the middle of a game. Um, I think, like you were saying, that's a big step forward, especially with, uh, I believe it's three SEC series left, two out of the last three are away. Uh, that's going to be big for Auburn going forward and then going to Gainesville for the SEC tournament. Yeah, and here's the thing. You mentioned the SEC tournament, and you look at the SEC standings right now, somewhat of a logjam in the middle. Of Right now, the top of the SEC, uh, top four seeds, pretty much. I, I would say this will be the top four in whatever order it is once we get there. Arkansas, Alabama, Tennessee, and then Florida. And then right here in the middle of the SEC from, I think, five to about nine, that's where things get a little tricky. Georgia at nine and six, Kentucky at nine and six, LSU at eight and seven, Auburn at seven and eight, and then Mississippi State at seven and eight. Crucial series coming up. I mean, I think this is the biggest series of the year at this point uh, because going forward, then you're going to have a host of Georgia. Then you go to Tennessee. So two teams that are higher than you in the SEC standings that are pretty good. Uh, if you get this series this week, you are in position to make a move. Would would you say that the series at State and then at home against Georgia, which will be the, I'm assuming, senior day, one of the games, right. um, would you say that those two series, considering Auburn doesn't win the series at Tennessee, are almost imperative to win? Yeah, you've got to. I mean, at you, that point. You want to be in the top, I would say top seven of the SEC. That gets you in put good position in the SEC tournament as well as in good regional uh, uh, seating. I don't think Auburn has a chance to host unless you know, just went out. If you went out, sure, you're going to host, of course. But I think looking at it realistically, uh, you hope to grab a game at Tennessee and then you hope to win these next two series against yeah. the Bulldogs, both Bulldogs. And doing that, I think, gets you in a good spot. Get a two seed in a regional kind of near home uh, against maybe a, le- a lower seed, yeah. um, maybe in the 12 to 14 range. Yeah, I mean, I would even also say, like, you you mentioned sealing a game at Tennessee. I'd say even that's probably imperative, just as imperative as winning, you know, probably probably both series against Mississippi State and Georgia because you mentioned that five through nine, that – I mean, that just pile on top of each other. I mean, yeah, the five seeds nine and six right now, which is Kentucky and Georgia and Georgia, um, especially with Georgia being on the planes. That's a very, very doable series to project Auburn to be a five or a six going into Gainesville. I think it absolutely is. And, I, and what I look at is Shelby Lowe hasn't pitched much the last few weeks with, with dealing with the left hand injury. I think that she is going to be uh, in a good position to really come out and and really throw well. Maddie Penta, we know what she's doing. She got her 201st strikeout to... Almost leading the SEC. Yeah, behind Montana Fouts, who is a very solid pitcher, one of the best in the country. So, like like Bree Ellis or Casey Cooper, not bad company to be in if you're Maddie Penta. No, yeah, yeah. And I really think that uh, you like your odds with Maddie Penta pitching. And you have liked your odds with Shelby Lowe pitching, but now that she's just... she, she She's dealing with this injury, it, it's been back and forth, and... If she comes back strong, hello, I think that Auburn has great chances to win these upcoming series. And that's kind of the unique thing with softball is, I mean, when it comes to baseball as a bat and ball sport, take somebody out of the the pitching rotation, it it kind of throws a whole wrench in the plans. Um, But in the case of Shelby Lowe and Maddie Pinto, like you said, if Shelby's feeling fine after recovering from that injury and being out of the picture, I mean, it's like, it's almost like you don't even like skip a beat. Right. You're just back on track. Um, But yeah, I, I think especially coming down the stretch, the last few series in the mid, away midweek game before you get to Gainesville, I think it's crucial that 
you kind of get back into that pitching rhythm between the two of them because Pinta, in my case, or in my belief, will only take Auburn so far. Um, it's just not going to happen if it's just her on the mound. You're going to have to have Shelby Lowe and company right behind her. Yeah, and that and that's the thing is also uh, Dismuse has done a good job this year in For relief sure. whenever she comes into a jam or whatnot. She gets out of it usually. But it's whenever she has to go a long ways. Like I said yesterday, she went three innings, and she was fantastic. Got to that seventh inning, and things spiraled out of control, and Pizza comes in and saves the day. I really think that uh, this, this this pitching staff is just Shelby Lowe away from being fine. For sure. Being fine. And then, obviously, the offense is just outstanding this year. When I mean, is when is the return of Michaela? When does she come back? She actually played an inning yesterday. She got in a bat, and she played an inning out in the center field. Point, point being, like, and that's only going to improve your offense, too. Right. And an offense that, that hasn't really – I mean, I'd even say – I'd make the case this year that Auburn's offense, even in the losses, like – I mean, I'd say besides the run rule at Arkansas in the last series, like hasn't been like, like horribly be- like bad. Oh. Like, I mean, it's still been there. It's been competitive. Florida might be different too, but I don't know. I think only that game three. I think the game threes against Florida and Arkansas are really the only ones that you look at and you think, okay, the offense kind of lets yeah. you down there. Um, but you were going against good pitchers and great programs, so yeah, it's hard to say Ar- that Arkansas series. That's a, and I hate to be like this, but like that's a huge blow. And the thing is, game three. I don't even look at it's a great team. Arkansas is tough to play against. Yeah. It's the games one and two where you blew a lead and you came back and didn't complete the comeback. That's what's tough to look at, and especially because of some of the errors, some of the pass balls, yeah. wild pitches. Yeah. That really hurts you. Um, but, yeah, on the offensive end, I think things will get a little bit better as Packer and Peralta return to the lineup, and you really just hope the power keeps up. I mean, this team is up to uh, how many home runs? 74? This yeah, year. and I think in 2021 it was only like 19, 22 or 22. Yeah, 22. Um, how many games is this in? How many games has, has Auburn played? 43. Yeah, yeah. and it was 51 games <laughs> last year. Yeah, safe to say the offense has made a complete 180. So I, I, I really think that this young team also. That's another thing. They're young. Yeah, they are. Going into the postseason play, if they start to climb, this is a team that can have a lot of fun and just go out there and play softball. Coach Dean says it every single time I talk to him. Yeah, play the game, not the opponent. Yeah, play the game, not the opponent. I think that's such an important thing for this team to do because, like I said, being a young team, you might get you might get wound up thinking, "Oh, you're playing this top ten Arkansas team. You're playing this Florida team that's it, yeah. been so good for so long." Yeah, just go well, out there and play softball. Well, and this, and my dad's listening, so I'm gonna give him a shout out. My dad, and this is one of the things I always admired about him as a coach. My dad was always one of our coaches. If he ever heard guys on the bench during a basketball game or on a foot during a football game or in the dugout of a baseball game, like he would do this all the time in our tournaments for baseball. We look across the diamond playing in these triple A, double A travel ball tournaments, and like some of the guys would be like, Do y'all see the size of that team? Like, there's no way they're 12 or 13 years old. Like, those guys are ginormous. My dad would turn around and he'd look at the dugout and be like, Well, if you're already gonna be thinking about the other team, he's like, you might as well just pack your bags up and go home. Yeah. It doesn't matter until you get out there and you play them. They're they're just as human as you are. They're not unbeatable just like going into the, that Arkansas series the the Florida series we saw that game one against Florida when Auburn won um Auburn I truly believe watching that game played the game and not the opponent game three you probably played the opponent with everything yeah, that happened but that's, that's different yeah um but that that's something my dad always said to me and I think that's kind of what Mickey Dean is saying is don't be playing the opponent you play the way you play and whatever happens is going to happen Auburn softball travels to Starkville Friday through Sunday 5.30 on game one, 4 o'clock game two, 
and a noon start time in Game 3. It's a big series for the Tigers as they're tied with the Bulldogs in the SEC standings. They want to make a climb. We're talking NBA and Major League Baseball the last 30 minutes here on the scoreboard. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Happy Weagle Day. This is the scoreboard on WGL 91.1 FM or if you're streaming on WeagleFM.com, it's Weagle's 51st birthday. Looks pretty good for 51. I, I would say State so. State-of-the-art studio. Brand new desk. I mean, I mean not brand new. I but nearly. It's we, two we years old. It. I was going to say, I we mean, saw it get installed. I mean, it doesn't get much better than this when it's 51. I hope I look this good when I'm 51. You know what? That's the way to look at it. That's the way to look yeah. at it. If, if I'm this good looking at 51, I mean, I, I've done a good job at taking care of my body. Don't miss any of the cool shows we got going on on today's 24-hour straight uh, Weagle Celebration uh, it technically starts at 5, but we're we're kicking it off with a... We're the pregame yeah, show. Yeah, we're the pregame show. Uh, kicking it off at 5 p.m. to tomorrow uh, at 5 p.m. I mean, yes, that's right. At 3 and 4 a.m. when you're sound asleep, uh, there will be people live in the Weagle studio doing live talk shows and music shows. I'll, I'll shout out some of the senior shows going Go on. It. You got the Woodstock Hour with J.P. Williams. You got Why So Serious with Will Root. Compact Discourse at Midnight with Jack Hart. And um, let's see, any other seniors I'm missing out? I don't believe so. TNT in the morning at noon, uh, Harrison Tarr. And uh, also another one to shout out, I'll be on the Eagles Nest tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. with Griggs and Daniel. I'll be debating with Daniel yes. about better rivalry, the Iron Bowl or Red Sox-Yankees. I, I know my answer. I know Bay's answer as well. I think I know the entire Lee County's answer to this question. But and I'm a Red Sox fan. Yeah, I know. So but I, I'm, I'm still going to go on there and entertain them. <laughs> Uh, so that and more on tomorrow's li- or today's live stream of Weagle's 51st birthday. Um, getting it kicked off here at the scoreboard. 30 minutes left, and we're going to kick it off with NBA playoff talk. Uh, the NBA playoffs are underway after the play-in tournaments were settled. Um, and, I mean, th- I think the biggest thing so far is uh, everybody's been kind of watching the Boston-Brooklyn series. Uh, we, unfortunately, don't get to watch that series again until Saturday night at 6.30 p.m., but... Um, Boston taking a 2-0 lead against Brooklyn. Uh, other games in the East, Miami up two games to nothing on your Atlanta Hawks, Jacob. And I Bang. think that's where we'll, we'll we'll park this bus first. Let's and, start there. And then hear about your take. What is defense? What is defense? But uh, also, Jimmy Butler dropping 45. I thought the Hawks needed to grab that game, too. And like I said, when Jimmy Butler drops 45, what more can you do? And I, I think... I'm not. I'm not trying to be too sour because this is your Hawks team, but go at it. I think it was almost a necessity to win one of the first two games to steal that home court. Absolutely. Um. Absolutely. I mean, unless they pull something out of their back pocket, game five, like that. Yeah, and that's the thing is, which we we saw crazy stuff from them last year in the playoffs. So I'm right. not gonna. I'm not gonna touch that just yet. I'm not counting them out. I don't think the Hawks are gonna win this series at this point. Uh, being 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 objective, I don't think the Hawks can win this series. Uh, but if they're going to, you got to win games three and four. You, you can't lose one at home. Um, it, it, it's tough because you, you're having good performances from guys like Bogdanovich. Trey Young did well in game two. I'm not even going to – like the the Easter Sunday game, that one was rough. That, yeah. that was bad. But let's look at game two and how everyone performed. And like I said, you get double-digit points from off the bench from Bogey. That's 29. He was the leading scorer. Trey Young had 25. DeAndre Hunter had 16. I think he was a he's a big factor is how he scores, and he did well with 16. John Collins had 13. He battled back from injury and plays well. 
it's tough that the defense can't do it. I mean, it also doesn't help that the Heat are the best three-point shooting team in the league. Well, and one of the things that I thought was so so fascinating to hear was when the Cavs and the Hawks were facing off in the play-in tournament, um, and a lot of people were debating on who would be a tougher matchup for the Heat, a lot of people were predict were saying that the Hawks would have would have given the Heat a better run for their money, but that hasn't seemed to be the case through the first two games, at least. I really thought the Hawks were going to take this series deep, if not win it. They still could. They could. I mean, you but, never know well, with, like with, I said, that, with that coaching staff. You got to win games three and four. You have to, period. Moving on, other series in the East. We'll go through the East before we go through the West. Milwaukee, the defending NBA champions, um, they have faced off against the Bulls. That series is tied one-to-one going back to Chicago. They steal that home court advantage. Um, Chicago, I, I've said it multiple times since then, but have been one of the hotter teams in the NBA this year, especially during the early portion of the year. Um, I, I don't know if this really changes my prediction of Milwaukee representing the East as much. Um, no. But I, I think it's it was just fascinating to see, because this has been a good series in my opinion so far. Um, not one a lot of people have talked about, but I, I think this was going to be one of the more competitive round one series. Yeah, you're, you're, I think you're right. I think this Bulls team is kind of showing what they showed early on in the year. Now, of course, that was Alonzo Ball and, and a lot of other guys that were playing really well. But when you've got uh, Alex Caruso only dropping nine points and the Bulls winning, okay. Yeah. That, that, hello, hello. I mean, because you got DeRozan dropping 41. You got Vucevic, 24. Levine, 20. They don't even get any help from the bench. They didn't need it because you also had Williams dropping 10 points. I like this Bulls team when they're on. The issue is how often can they be on? Yeah. I, I think they're going to win a game at home, mm-hmm. but I think I think Milwaukee ends it in six. Um, after watching the way this the first two games have been played out, because before the series started, I thought it would be a five ga- a gentleman's sweep, a five-game series. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that phrase. Gentleman's sweep. Yeah. We'll let you have one, but... We get the rest. But anyways, um, I don't think it changes my prediction for the East. I mean. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. The Bucks are the defending champs. They have Giannis, who dropped 33 last night. He's still on. Middleton had 18. I think that's, I mean, look at it. He didn't He didn't really perform that bad. I mean, I just think it was a matter of the Bulls playing better than the Bucks, and that's going to happen in a, in a, in a seven-game series. You're going to have games where a team just goes off, and like I said, when the Bulls are on, they're freaking on. So I like the Bucks still to win this series, probably in six. Now yeah. that the Bulls got one this early, Same. yeah. So uh, last series out of the East, um, and the only series that has played three games so far, um, Philadelphia and Toronto. Um, how about that buzzer beater from Joel Embiid with .7 seconds left in overtime? That was beautiful. I mean, a big man shooting a three like that. It, it was almost, it was almost LeBron esque. It was. That- uh, the, the, yes, absolutely. I don't think that's a fade away to the left. I mean, I know you were stopping yourself, but no, you don't need to stop yourself. I think it was that was something that uh, obviously there's those that think LeBron's a choker. He doesn't ever hit big shots, but that's just not the case. Yeah, Embiid's uh, doing the same thing. Yeah, Embiid is just. I think he has the best chance. They keep playing like this. They had the best chance against the Bucks. No, I, and and that was going to be my next point was the way the way they've played so far. Um, and because we talked about Toronto was probably the least talked about team going into these playoffs, I wish you why. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, they might them in Boston. Those are the two other teams I think would give Milwaukee the best run for their money in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Um, but now that we're over the Eastern Conference, let's look at the Western Conference. That's where it's fun. Uh, yeah, the dynamic matchup of John Moran and Anthony <laughs> Edwards. 
it has provided. Hey, um, hey, you're forgetting someone there. Who's that? Patrick Beverly. Come on. <laughs> Come on. You Bev, can't. Bev Light. Don't disrespect oh, him. Oh, well, hey, my dad, I was talking about last week how uh, he had the Bud Light, yeah. and I, I gave it crap. He didn't like that. Um, come on, Keith. Keith it's a, it's Keith, okay. That's Keith's drink of choice. It's okay. That's fine. But Bev Light, yeah. he uh, <laughs> He's just doing what he does. But uh, that series is tied one-to-one heading back to Minnesota. Um, I honestly argue that that game one gave Minnesota a lot of momentum to start the series more than a normal game one would. Definitely. Um, especially being the road team winning that game one on the road, um, stealing that game one momentum. Watching that game two, I mean – you almost question how Anthony Edwards and the younger guys on that team, even Cat, who's been in the playoffs before, how they would play. They they played weightless. They yeah. played free. And and the only, you, I think it gave them momentum, but I also think it might have coming off the emotional, false confidence. Yeah, yeah, coming off the emotional win they had in the play-in game, the yeah. way they the way they acted. Yeah, it just makes me think maybe I don't think they're full of themselves or anything like that. I think that's taking a little bit too far of of critiquing them. But I just think that it was a little bit of, oh, wow, we just won that playing game the way we did, and then we just came out and beat the two seed. It's like, all right, let, let, let's go. Keep playing this way. Whereas I think the Grizzlies are good at making adjustments. And, hey, look, they had Stephen Adams go down and yeah. still won this handedly. Yeah. I, I, I like the Grizzlies a lot. The, wool, the Wolves are, are they're almost there. They're almost there, but they're not there yet. Uh, Golden State and Denver, we'll talk about this one really quick and get it out of the way. Golden State up 2 to nothing. Um Jordan Poole has just been playing phenomenal so far in these playoffs uh, and, <laughs> and to close the season out. Does Golden State sweep round one? <sighs> that's that's a tough one. Um, no. I'm going to say it's a gentleman sweep. Yeah. I think Utah I, gets a game at home. Jokic is going to go off yeah. one of these games. And we haven't really, I mean, he's been playing well, but just not. It's just kind of. 26 isn't going to beat where the Warriors just yeah. came out. I mean, come on. Like. Steph Curry with 34. Yeah. Then 29 for Jordan Poole and 21 from Clay Thompson. 26 from Jokic just not beating that. I believe it was, I need to look on the front page of, of ESPN, but it was uh, Poole who had the quote about Golden State was just letting him. Oh, no, it was Gary Payton II uh, says, they just let me be me in Golden State, which I think we've seen to close out the season as well. But um, real quick, I just I thought it was going to be a gentleman sweep for the Nuggets. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't think the word. I think people are overhyping the Warriors. I don't think the Nuggets are that good. Like I said, I think Jokic is their only chance at winning a game. They're still missing pieces. They are. So I, I, I think the Warriors are going to get the gentleman's sweep, and people are going to hype them up, and then I don't know what's going to happen in the next round. Yeah. Phoenix at New Orleans, the one-seed Phoenix, who is arguably the best team throughout the NBA consistently the entire year. Um, they lose Devin Booker. Um, we, we aren't sure for how long yet, I don't think. Um, but that series is tied one-on-one wow. -on -one going back to NOLA. It makes it interesting, in my opinion. I agree. It makes it interesting. Um, I think the acquisitions that they got, especially with uh, C.J. McCollum and the different guys that they have, the younger players that they have, I think that's what's going to make the the finish of this series so interesting with it being the one seed in the West. I do think that the Pel uh, not the Pelicans, the Suns will be able to make adjustments, knowing knowing they won't have Booker. Uh, they're they're going to game plan like they're not going to have him, whether or not they do or not. Yeah. Um, I think that. Chris Paul. I mean, the way he played in that fourth quarter in Game One, that was unreal. Yeah, it was. That was unreal. I I didn't think he had that in him anymore. Yeah. I really didn't. And At I, that age to take the game over like that, I mean, I'm not one to doubt someone like Chris Paul or or like a LeBron James or someone. At that age, because I just know they, they play basketball. They have played amazing basketball. But the fact he did that, I was just like, 
He might be the most intelligent point guard of all time. For sure. For I mean, sure. there might be better point guards than him. But he is the most intelligent point guard. He knows how to play the game he better does. than anybody. So I think that even without Booker, they're going to be fine. But I do think it makes it more interesting. Also, I mean, is Brandon Ingram going to drop 37 points again? No. I don't think so. If he does, all right. All right, let's, let's pay attention to the Pelicans. I think I right wouldn't now, be surprised if this has a minimum of six games. I could see it. A six-game or seven-game series. I mean, they're going back to New Orleans, and I bet that place is going to be on fire these next two games. Last series out of the West, Dallas traveling to Utah. Um, Dallas getting one at home, and then Utah stealing a game also in Dallas. Um, Is it panic time, or are we just going to continue to ride off the Utah Jazz like we have been? I have to continue to ride them off because, I mean, if they're not going to stop Jalen Brunson. Yeah. What happens if Luka comes back? That was kind of cool to see Jalen Brunson play awesome. like that. He's he he's a very deserving man to play that he way. He is. Um, he's from Nova, right? I believe so. Respect to Jay Wright retiring yesterday. Jay left. Yeah, Jay left. That's good. <laughs> Especially, hey, look, he didn't go on a retirement tour like someone did. He just went out and just yeah. said, "I'm done. I'm he done. Could I'm come having back. a good time." Could I'll see it. I mean, give me the. Do you map. remember the? Did Let you see it. those reports about Coach K coming back? Six. No, that's not. Happening. It's not happening. Get but out of like, here. Jay, Wright, Jay Wright's way more probable than that. Jay Wright, he's done. He's done. We'll give another update in our last show next week about the NBA playoffs. For the last segment of today's show on Weagle's 51st birthday, Jacob and I, we're going to recap a little bit of the MLB before we go off the air for today. Do not go anywhere. This is the scoreboard on Weagle, 91.1 FM, the special 51st edition of Weagle. Thank you for tuning in to The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find The Scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back to The Scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. Final 15 minutes on the second, on the penultimate episode of The Scoreboard. I'm Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks. Also, we just had a jinx. I mentioned another Luka, jinx. If Luca comes back, they got a really good chance of being the Jazz tonight. Well, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, as of two minutes ago, as I was probably talking about uh, Luca coming <laughs> he was back, typing it up. He was. Uh, he is out tonight. So does Woj listen to the scoreboard and just wanted to time that perfectly? Maybe, maybe he does. Does that change your prediction for tonight? Uh, not really. Okay. okay. I'm gonna write off the Jazz until they win really? a series okay. in the playoffs. That's fair. I think that's. Fair. I mean, you might take an L, but. I think that's the right way to do it with this team. So, moving on to Major League Baseball and everything that's going on with that. Let's, you know what? Let's lead off with this. I, we just mentioned it. The Oakland Athletics that attendance number yesterday was pathetic. What's, let me look up the official attendance number. I believe it was was it twenty seven hundred around there. It was yesterday, correct? That 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 is correct. Here, I think I got it. Here, twenty seven hundred and three. Last night. Auburn and Kennesaw State had 2,996 in attendance. And there is a big difference in those because the Coliseum holds a little bit more than Plainsman Park. Uh, Right? It says capacity (laughs) a lot more than that. Yeah, I figured. uh, That's incredible. Auburn baseball has got a bigger fan following than the Oakland A's. Well, yeah, and then you look at the Arkansas-Arkansas State game, (laughs) 9,000. How embarrassing for the city of Oakland. That's tough. And that's why teams are moving out of there. Yep. I'm just saying. Uh, let's move on to more fun topics. Yeah. The Atlanta Braves. The Braves and the Red Sox. The Braves and the Red Sox. That, that, we're going to talk about our teams today as as we close these things out. And since I'm leading now, I'll, I'll lead off with the Braves. Also, it's funny today, uh, Travis Darno. It's our first, first off day of the year, and uh, Darno 
posted a picture after he got hit by uh, the deadly D. Gordon bitches that went those off day vibes yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And that was fun. But the West Coast trip, it was eh, meh for the Braves. Uh, you go two and two against the Padres, you lose the series at the Dodgers, but. That win was something. I, I'm looking at the win. I'm looking at the positives and Max Fried and how he pitched. I love to see him go out in his first start or his first big start of the year and really dominate. He had a no hitter, uh, I believe, through seven innings, and it was glorious. And it was glorious. So uh, I really like what I saw from him. Kenley Jansen got his first save as a Dodger, and yeah. it was on a Freddie Freeman pop out. Yep. So that was cool. That was that was. You know, there's those times in sports where you just think we're in a simulation and things just line up perfectly. Oh, yeah. What about that uh, that home run? <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. First at bat, Freddie back against the Braves. Just here, here's what I think of you not wanting to pay me a little bit more. And look, you know what? We deserve it. It's it's and it's not like not like that home run's going to matter down the road. It could. If the Braves miss the playoffs by one game, okay, sure, kind of matters. But you lost that game 7-4 as a solo home run. doesn't matter. Uh so, yes, the Braves deserve that just to kind of just a little dagger right in the heart. So, I'm okay with it. I like what we're seeing because guess who's doing rehab assignments? Ronald Acuna Jr. I'm back. He is back. I'm back. And he is not hit, tearing it up. He's not tearing it up. He, but it's fine. His knee looks pretty good. He hit, has a stolen base. Hitting doubles. I mean, he's, he's still in bases in rehab assignments. Why? <laughs> They're like, they're like, give him the sign, like the indicator, like, is he, the indicator's not even on. And they're like, they're like let's say, like, Steel's like, swipe your chest. They're not even like touching their chest. chest and he just, okay. It's like, Ronald, I didn't tell you to steal. It's like, I go. I am going I am back. back. <laughs> he did have that one awesome double off the did, wall. Now, is this, is this, is this typical procedure for them to wear their Braves helmets in AAA, or is that just, like, that was his helmet? He just That's a good like, question. Probably his helmet. In Gwinnett, yeah. Because he was wearing guess. a Braves helmet. I don't know if the rest of the team wore a Braves helmet, but who knows. That was just cool. He'll be back in May-ish. Yeah. There'll probably be a better update next week, but how about your Red Sox, Bailey Marks? My Red Sox, they are uh, still not what I'm what I'm wanting. Six and seven, fourth in the East. I mean, that's I mean, that's why, what the Braves are. I mean, I mean, they've lost two straight to the Blue Jays. Um, War Eagle. J.P. Williams says War Eagle as he walks in. Keep going. Oh, you babe. don't want to be on the scoreboard? Uh, Talk about MLB baseball? Anyway, the Woodstock anyways. hour in 10 minutes. Yes, the Woodstock hour. Uh, but anyways, fourth in the AOE, six and seven overall. Um, we've lost two out of our last three. One, or we went two and two against the Twins at home. Um, so I, it's kind of hard to tell right now. Again, it's the beginning of the season. I think the biggest thing for the Red Sox, I think there's been a slight lack of offense compared to what we've been used to seeing the last several years. Um, also, it's kind of hard to establish our pitching staff right now. I mean, We've had Hal and Pavetta pitching, which I haven't been too terribly displeased with. Um, so I, it's really hard for me to tell. I, I'm just I'm looking at the rest of the AL East right now, and I'm not really happy. But yeah, again, and the thing is, you're two weeks into the season. You're kind of looking and picking and choosing what you're not happy about, what you're happy about, what you think can improve, what might not improve. And I think the Red Sox are going to be fine. Uh, the Blue Jays are scary. Yeah. The Blue Jays are scary. Now, man. when you hold them to only three runs at home, yeah. but then the night before you give up six, like... And and like you said, it's the offense. It's the offense. You hold them to three runs, but you only score two. The way I look at it, like you said, it's two weeks into the season. You, I really... I think the rule of thumb is to truly wait a month into the season to assess where you're at. And even then, look at the Braves a month in last year. Ronald Acuna <laughs> was single-handedly winning games for him. And you think, no way to see him make the playoffs because that's not sustainable. And then he goes down with an injury, and you think, okay, 
yeah, this is this season's a wash. Yeah. But then obviously Anthopolis makes all those trades. Things go crazy. So hopefully next week I have a better yeah. outlook on the first month. I really don't even have a feel on how, like, for me, the Braves are gonna be this season or, or what it's gonna be like. I like the lineup uh other than the designated hitter sometimes. Uh, you got like Alex it, Dickerson in it, there. It also hasn't been the easiest of schedules for you guys either. Other than the Reds. The Reds, I have, mean, the Reds have what? only beat the Braves. Carter Bird, former Weagle, said, uh, former Weagle correspondent texted us today and was like, the Reds have lost every game they've played this year, except the ones they've played against the Braves. That was the World Series hangover series. It's, it's so on it's site. It's fine. It's fine. It's on site. I'm not mad about that. That's another thing. I mean, I look at it from that standpoint. Those first few games, it's like a, it's like a World Series hangover. It happens, and... I know that's what it was like for the Red Sox last year until they got to the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and Daniel and I were talking about earlier. I was I read an article that he wrote. He's sitting in the studio with us right now. Was that the Red Sox last year, I mean, predicted to finish fourth or fifth in the AL East and then, you know, uh, kind of come within, I think it was two games of the World Series, lost that series four to two. I mean, that's why I'm so, like, hesitant to give, like, a true stance on what this team is right now. And it also, I mean, I don't, there's not a team really out there right now that I'd argue that hasn't figured out yet. No. Never. No. And never within the first few weeks. Even a team like the Blue Jays that you think, oh, they look so good, they still don't have it figured out, and it is what it is. I'll say, I like what Devers is looking like. Dever, if we'll freaking sign his extension and give him something he deserves. Yeah, I mean, Devers, that those two home runs, 291, I think that goes up, too. How about that? That is our penultimate episode of The Scoreboard here on WEGL 91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com. Weagle Day starts in five minutes with the Woodstock Hour and J.P. Williams, Jacob Hillman, and Bay Marks signing off. This has been The Scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Join us every Thursday at 4 as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at WEGLFM.com and following us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU.